In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. I remember when I first read the Bible in a serious way, I was drawn to Jesus and his teaching, but I also felt threatened. Jesus never did or said anything in a manner that suggested that my opinion about it mattered. He wasn't calling for a vote. He was making a claim and demanding a response from me. This stands in contrast with every other person I've ever read about. When I read biographies of famous people, I'm often impressed by their accomplishments, wisdom, or courage. But I always come away thinking, I don't really agree with what he did there, or I disagree with her opinion about that. Somehow, the life and teaching of Jesus don't provide that same wiggle room. Somehow, when Jesus acts and speaks, the question is not, what do I think? Somehow, the question is, will I be a follower or a rebel? This is the issue in today's gospel. Certain people felt rightly threatened by the presence and teaching of Jesus. But they were not willing to, support, to submit to him, so they resorted essentially to a personal attack, calling him, in essence, a demon-possessed bastard. Jesus responded by making an even greater claim. If anyone listens to me and does what I say, he will never die. And this highlights the distinction between Jesus and everyone else. We've all said at some point in time to somebody, if you do what I say, things will go better for you. But no one else has ever been able to say, if you do what I say, you will live forever. The climax of the argument in the gospel is when Jesus identifies himself with the name of God. Before Abraham was, I am. In other words, Jesus was saying, I am the God who called Abraham out of ancient Babylon. I am the God who spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. I am the Torah in human form. This claim must be met with repentance, faith, and full submission, or else it must be strongly rejected. This is why the enemies of Jesus in the gospel picked up stones to throw at him. We accept this claim every week in the creed. We say that we believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. The danger of the creed is this. It can make us think that 
This faith in Jesus means merely assent to a series of theological propositions rather than a challenge to our whole way of life. Where the gospel proclaims who Jesus is, the epistle summarizes what he did. By his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The old covenant made Israel, gave to Israel temporary provision for sin, temporary sacrifices, and an atonement that was a temporary covering. Jesus fulfilled all the stipulations of that covenant. His death is the eternal sacrifice for sin. And it cleanses us inwardly from all sin. And this is related to who Jesus is. If Jesus is not God, then his death cannot have this cosmic and eternal impact on death. When a good teacher or an heroic person dies, we might say that the spirit of that person's teaching or work endure. But their teaching or accomplishments won't allow us to escape death. A merely human death cannot abolish death forever. This is why we look at the death of Jesus differently. Our mourning on Good Friday is not so much our mourning for the death of Jesus. Our mourning is for our own sin that makes his death necessary. He will die for us and for our sins. And he can only do this because he is the Son of God who has become man for us and for our salvation. Jesus will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. All we can do is mourn our sins, repent, and receive the gift he came to give us. But we must do that, or else we will remain stuck in the cycle of sin and death. This is why the life of Jesus is threatening to us. His life and teaching highlight the truth that we have rebelled against God. He reminds us that we are sinners, that the way we are living is not okay, that apart from him we do not have eternal life, and that he represents the only answer for our sins. We must put our faith and trust in him. We must do what he says to do, or else we will confirm our separation from God. We now begin what we call Passion Tide, the last two weeks of Lent. During these last two weeks, the penitential theme of the season is intensified. Our lessons today set the table for what will begin to happen next Sunday, 
when Jesus enters Jerusalem for the last time. Our lessons tell us that Jesus is the Son of God who, whose death is the answer for our sin. Like all of Lent, Passion Tide is an opportunity to respond to Jesus with repentance and faith and experience his grace in new ways. It is time to begin to bring our Lenten disciplines to fruition with a good confession. In what area of life are you still among the stone throwers rather than the disciples? Passion Tide is opportunity to let the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.